Welcome back to the Pursued Interest Podcast. I am your host, Zach Goldsmith. With me in studio, as always, the illustrious, the beautiful, the man behind the machine, Mr. Producer Matt. That's it. No last name. The only one that gives their last name is me. And Amanda has given hers against her will by simply being known as my wife. Now, maybe she didn't take my last name. I really goofed. Ah, man. I Nobody tell her. She, she'll listen to this one, though, because she's not on it. Producer Matt is uh, here in the studio, as always, like I said. And he we have a cornucopia of chords as we are going to be joined again today by a recent guest, very popular recent guest, uh, Mr. Andy. And so, uh, Mr. Andy, it's good to have you on the program again. No, 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 no. This here is a last pod standing cast. There are two entering. One will leave, and the only winner is you, the listener. I won't do that the whole time. Good to see you, my friend. Excited to talk to you about wrestling. Go on, wrestling. He's very excited. So when I I asked him to come on to the program, one of our um, when we met, uh, we met at a wedding, and which um, I don't remember whose wedding it was, but we met at a wedding, and my wife was already friends with him because she makes friends very easily, unlike me who makes enemies very easily, but not friends, and uh, no. Nothing? Man. All right. That bombed. All right. This is gonna be a long it's gonna be a long episode. Uh, Nobody disagreed. Um <laughs> uh, so we talked about Hellboy and uh that you had you used to watch pro wrestling, and so one of the ways I lured you on was I of course I like for any listener that hasn't figured it out, which uh most of you have, I like pro wrestling. Um, it's, it's, it's a thing I enjoy. And so, uh, it was, I try to get people on, I try to get a mix of people on. That's my goal as as we go through time, like is to have Amanda is always going to be the, like, I don't have a guest for today. Amanda can come on and she's very well-spoken and people really like, uh, when she comes on and, and she's a great, uh, co-host. Uh, but I like to get a variety of people, um, so that we can get a lot of topics covered, but none of the hosts really, um, like pro wrestling on the other co-host. And so I was like, hey, we could talk about pro wrestling. Well, then when you came on for the last episode, we started talking and I I right away came and started talking about, um, we started talking about books and reading and libraries and, and comic books. Of course, every episode is going to have comics forever uh, of this program. And so um, so I, after we went off the, after we went, do you, how do, what do I say here, off the air? Or after we stopped recording, probably more appropriate. After we stopped recording, Producer Matt, by the way, keeps telling me he wants to this summer, when we have a little more free time, he wants to try a live episode. We'll be live. I'm terrified. I have a lot of gaffes. Do I have a lot of gaffes or no? Am I pretty good? Well, the guest host could really... got going to have to be a choice guest host. So anyway, uh, we went off the... And I, I said, you know, I got to have you back... Uh, I'd like to have you back if 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 the people like your episode and they've they they have gotten some good feedback and um, I said we the reviews are in. I've got to have you on to talk about wrestling. So we're, this is going to be a not entirely pro wrestling episode. I want to make that clear to some people who are uh, not not yet uh, 
enthralled by the tendrils of the squared that, circle. They deleted the episode as soon as I cut that promo. We're all friends here. Everyone still in the room with us is ready to hear it. That's true. Everyone that didn't want to listen has already turned it off. Uh, but if you're still listening and still thinking about hitting that stop button, I think at this point, if you're still listening to the program, you like listening to my antics. So I think we'll be okay. Hey, how have things been going, man? It's been a while. Things have been great. It's been a while since we've spoken. Things have been great. Good. That's Walking good to hear. The aisle in my own, with my own style. That's All good that to hear. Thing. Now, I told you ahead of time, and we'll see if you did your homework. A lot of guest hosts on this program like to not do their homework. I said, you know, I know this is going to be a wrestling episode, but this is a comic book program that just wanders into other territories, so to speak. And so I, I wanted to know what you wanted to know about superheroes or comics, what you wanted me to talk about. So I, I wanted to go ahead and give that to you now. We're going to get it out of the way. That way we can get to the wrestling. <laughs> What's your favorite wrestling comic? No, uh... Uh, that's actually Butts. Uh, there are, Butts of course, and, there are wrestling comic books. Uh, it's Do a Powerbomb. Uh, it's a wonderful story. Um, it is about. Uh, I, I don't want to. I do, really don't want to give any away. It's so power. It's a very powerful and um, just really well done story. Um, it just had the trade come out, I believe. Uh, I, I can't really remember if the trade just came out or it's about to come out. I think I think it has come out, um, and uh, it's by uh, Daniel Warren Johnson. And I recommend to anyone that enjoys wrestling or comic books or just really good heartfelt stories uh, to check it out. It, it is definitely worth your time. I was going to say before that, um, there's a comic book called Butts and Seats, the Tony Schiavone story, and it is a little graphic novel about uh, famed wrestling announcer Tony Schiavone's life, and it's very very interesting, but do no offense to Tony Giovanni if he hears this. Uh, do a powerbomb uh, is is much beloved, and if Daniel Warren Johnson hears this somehow, uh, also don't be offended because he, I'm sure he loves. Uh, he's a big wrestling fan. Obviously, he did a, a very, um, a very heartfelt story about uh, humanity through the lens of pro wrestling and comic books. So, so that's my. Well, both of those sound. Yeah, both of those sound excellent. You weren't ready for that, were you? You thought I was going to have to... You were trying to make me scramble. A little. I was trying to make you scramble a little. I, I'm I'm aware of... I was not aware of either of those titles. Um, I am aware of the Kevin Nash comic. Uh, One issue. That you gifted. You gifted me the issue of the... I believe it's called Nash. I'm sure he got a nice paycheck for that, but that is a longtime resident of the 50 Cent bin. At many comic book stores nationwide. <laughs> not that he, again, not that he cares. He got the check. The check cleared. As he would say, <laughs> the check cleared. Who cares? The money and the miles. So right? I believe that's a Kevin Nash quote. That is that's a, the only that, thing real. The money and the miles. That is a Kevin Nash quote. It's, it's probably his finest quote. Now I've turned off my, I've, I had looked up. I want to make sure I got the name right and to see if that trade was out. And I closed my stopwatch. We could already be over the time. The TV time limit could be expired. Oh no, we're we're early, still early, not ready to go home yet. So, not uh, is that is that your only superhero question? Is that all you had in the the bank there? Um, that was all I had. That was all I had. No, uh, do, do you have a a favorite Hellboy 
comic story or a, a story arc there, or is that um is that hard to pin down? I've I've read the omnibuses, sure of those, and and some of the um actually I think I've read all the BPRD omnibuses as well. So Probably the comic I've read the most of because Hel- again this is a world I'm pretty ignorant of. Hellboy is a, a comic that I like, um, but because I don't know, I just it was not a thing I read. The movie definitely brought me. I knew the comic and I liked the character. He would show up very occasionally in um, like Savage Dragon, or I would read an issue or two. It was just uh, the comic book store when I was a kid didn't carry it. So um, then finally the movie came out and uh, I was really excited about it and that really brought me in. And now the comic book and the movie are very different. Um, and Absolutely. so once I went and started reading and I started reading some at that point and I liked everything that I did read. It, but right after, very shortly after that, um, and four years, I know to, to some people four years doesn't seem very short, but four years is short while you're in college and you got a lot of other stuff going on. Um, was when the one more day happened in Spider-Man, and then so then I I read no comics, was not interested in any of them for sixteen years, and so now we're back about two years back into it, and um, it's just one I've picked up a few issues here and there. They're hard to find, like um, it's hard to find Hellboy issues, uh, at least in places I've been, and then uh, until like just very recently, I've been trying to stay away from trades and omnibuses because. I don't want to get into that trap again of I'm buying the same story twice. Uh, I don't want to do that. And so uh, that said, the library has a very nice collection of them, and uh, it's it's on my list. I've just finished up some uh, Flash uh, comics that I, I wanted to read, and I've, uh, I'm just trying to really... It's a slippery slope because I know my own personality. Like I love, I love comics and I love stories just in general, not just comics, but comic books are stories I do love. And so I'm trying to decide like there might be some things I maybe do collect, not the individual issues, but go ahead and collect the trades. It's it's much more reasonable usually to collect via trade, um, and you get the complete story. And so Hellboy might end up being a thing where I just go pop a couple omnibuses or a couple trades and then and they keep theirs pretty well in print like um like marvel likes to put out trades of things and then you know they very much underprint it and then oh well we'll get we'll get back to the ones that did well and then that can take forever and then um dc has reset their universes uh i think five times in my lifetime now the first one was the month i was born so oh there's there's some more information for the listeners out there that they're that are trying to somehow clone me, uh, as Amanda's Uh-oh. afraid of, they now know the month and the year of my birth. So that gives oh, them no. critical. They can now take that and they can line that up. They can set up the string on the board with the states they've been able to eliminate, and they've now they are getting more information until the to figure out where does Zach Goldsmith live, so that I can. And take him out, I guess. I feel like at this Let point... Let us not gloss over. Let us not gloss over the fact that you outed me and my and my coastal location. 
right off of the bat. Well, maybe I didn't. Maybe that was a ruse. You just gave it up, sir. You could be a in the heartland. Now I gave it up. <laughs> so you outed yourself, my friend. I wanted to be from Parts Unknown. <laughs> well, I didn't get that text message. I am from Parts Unknown. That's all right. <laughs> you, I could have been luring. You never know where I'll be. Yeah, you're a traveler. You you could take a new job I'm tomorrow. And then all of a sudden you're in Topeka, Kansas. Make a new town. Make a new territory. What learn if you, a new hold. Alaska. What if you move to Alaska? Then that'd be easy to track you down. That's why I can't live there. I Coming can't back to Hellboy. Is Hellboy, do you think Hellboy is the finest cigar smoking superhero? No, no, that's that's Wolverine. Ooh, what no. cigar smoking superhero would you put above Hellboy? Probably the thing, big rock guy, cigar. It's a nice contrast. I'm aware. Wolverine. I'm aware of. I'm aware of the thing. <laughs> Wolverine's pretty good with that cigar. Again, I'm glad they don't have them anymore. Well, that's a terrible look. That's a terrible look for. And, you know, Marvel and DC can say whatever they want. Comics are not necessarily for kids anymore. I mean, kids can read them, and they, they should, I would argue. But, like, uh, that's not a... It's always funny, like, um, one of the things Marvel did in the 90s to make people like MJ a little bit less, because they're dumb, was they tried to make her smoke. She started smoking from the stress. And so then, uh, basically, people wrote in and were like, we, listen, we don't care that you're doing this. It's stupid. And so then they wised up, and he took her to see someone dying of cancer, throat cancer, and so that got her to quit. Very brutal from Pete there. That's a, that's a fun issue. Yeah, that's a fun issue. Well, then you <laughs> you know they ease up on it because that was actually an actor friend of his that she didn't know about. But um, mm. so yeah, if you get in the early '90s issues, not, there not a character. They didn't they didn't do it to a character you were too invested. In. No, you didn't know them at all. It was sort sort of like an after school special. Issue. Oh, 100%. It could have, they should have just drew it like Tom okay. Hanks. The guy should have just looked like Tom Hanks. So yeah, if you get, if you pick up an early to mid 90s issue of Spider-Man, there's a fair chance MJ will be firing up a cig and uh and they they very much talk about how disgusting it is. And so, it was just one of the, You would think that's that's I always I have we have I had this discussion recently with some friends um my comic book gang and uh we talked about, you know, you would think with all the times Marvel has at various times, different people inside Marvel have been like, actually, I we want to get rid of this MJ thing. Like they had her smoke. They had her be really not anything like her character is. And so just completely opposite and, and terrible. And they blew her up in a plane. And then they, um, you know, just didn't put her in the book for a couple years. And then they have had the current run, which we won't even talk about because it's the worst one ever, but, like, they've tried all these things, and none of it works. Like, she's she is the second most important character in Spider-Man and probably the second most loved. Like, you think they would just be like, all right, geez, we're done with this. Like, let's just do other stuff. We don't have to deal with this anymore. I, I have said yeah. often, I hope to someday be so rich that I can ignore all of the customers about something. In the high stakes, high action world of comics, having a character smoke to get heel heat is is an odd choice. I don't know that that makes me. <laughs> That's what they did. Think of them as a heel. Oh, to circle back around to comic books and and Hellboy, Hellboy in Mexico, 
I believe that's the title of the story, but I could be wrong. That is what happens. Yes. Yes. I wanted to make sure that you were aware of that. If you weren't already, it's a fabulous, fabulous, uh, story and and i really enjoyed that yeah came out came out of nowhere for me when i was just as i said i was reading through an omnibus and then whoa (laughs) yeah the hellboy stuff is neat because like here's this story and then here's this and maybe the omnibuses are different maybe it puts them in chronological order but like they just jump around like ah cool and and sometimes i i almost wish um spider-man would do that because then you have this writer come on and okay, I I need I want Peter to be single, which is terrible. Uh, but I want him to be so okay. Cool, your story's set in this time frame. The problem is, and this is the problem Marvel has. Marvel has had the same storyline since the '60s, and they just they have a thing called the sliding time scale, where roughly every year, four years in real life that have passed, one year has passed in comics. So if something happened in a 1960 Spider-Man comic. That was 15 years ago in in their world. Well, the problem with that is, you know, technology and stuff change. So if you go back 15 years from now, you know, uh, here in 2023, you're talking about 2007. So he would still have cell phones, you know, cars would not look anything, you know. So it, it and some people get really caught up on that. I don't just because, I mean, it, we are talking about an awesome uh, character, but a character who, you know, sticks to walls and shoots web and creates all these incredible uh, things with his scientific mind, but is so destitute that he often is thrown onto the streets, which is a whole separate issue that annoys me. But, um, and so like, whereas with Hellboy, like, because they set very different, like this happened in 1948 and Hellboy, you know, he doesn't age very fast, so we can set this story then. And this happened in, and so that, that's really neat. Uh, But, kind of where I was going with that was it'd be neat. Sometimes I think it'd be nice if Marvel just said like, you know who Spider-Man is at this point and you know who, you know, most of these villains are. And if we're going to introduce a new villain, like we can tell that story inside that comic, but just like, here's the new writer for Spider-Man. He's going to do this six issue story and it takes place whenever it takes place. And um, I, I guess if they weren't, I don't know. Sometimes I, I would hate that, but I think sometimes, man, maybe that's the way to go so that if you're just going to keep doing the dumb stuff you're doing, just do that. I don't know. Anyway. Well, another, another line of comparison between the pro wrestling and comic books is that continual story. But I but I, I definitely agree that, and not being a comic book reader necessarily, but something that we spoke of in a previous episode Um just these lengthening, seemingly unnecessarily uh, lengthening of stories. Yes. Um, it was definitely a trend and probably still is a trend in publishing um, for trilogies, uh, especially for the young adult audience. It seemed like no one was just doing a one, one-off story. And that gets into sort of the capitalism of it all and, and, and the commerce element. But yeah, from an artistic standpoint, as you said, again, whenever we recorded our last episode many years ago (laughs) uh, that sometimes you have a 20 page story and that 20 page story might be great. I like to read poetry. Poetry is usually sometimes it's long, but usually not more than a a few pages. Sometimes a story is short and excellent. 
I think that's true of every every genre. So you know, we talked about if if I thought um, we talked before about if I thought in America, like American style comic publishing, could work where you know Marvel, for example. I I do I think Marvel should put out a hundred page comic every month that's ten bucks and it just has a bunch of short stories in it. Um, shorter, you know, here's an eight page story about Daredevil, and here's a twenty pager about Spider Man and Mary Jane, and here's Here's maybe a here's maybe ten pages about um, um, you know about Moon Knight and there's actually this story is going to continue over the next five issues so yep you know you got to be there you know some continue issue to issue but they're shorter chunks uh, or maybe they're not shorter chunks because you know hundred pages is a lot and I just always think like you know and you make that ten bucks so that's a good value for the consumer. Uh, you can get some of those young writers and young artists in there and give them time to practice and really build them up. You can introduce a new character that makes the crazy collectors want to pick up every issue. And, uh, you know, I, I really think that could work. And that kind of goes into um, my question for you is you talked about short stories. You know, we've talked about stories becoming elongated. Do they still do? Are there like I mean, can I can I go get a book and it's a bunch of short stories from different people, maybe on the same topic? I know there's used like there used to always that used to, that was how sci-fi was made. Like, you didn't go buy a sci-fi book; you went and bought this sci-fi anthology. Anthologies, yeah, yeah. Anthologies are still are definitely still a thing. I and I I agree. I wonder if again, I'm I'm not really in the know on on comics and comic publishing, but your the the idea. It kind of reminds me of zines. Oh, zines! Uh, sort of that. Indi- oh, you say zines? I, I say, say zines. zines. You say zines? Yes, I. Uh, Interesting. I have Interesting. the students potato, make those. potato, zines. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I mean, it, it, what what you're describing, and I know as you you were educating me previously that this is this is a common practice uh, publishing in Japan. Um, I, I think it would obviously it would. I think what you just proposed would be very successful. I wonder if there are independents and smaller kind of underground uh, comic publisher and graphic novel publishers that are doing that. That seems like the way to go. If you're a smaller publishing house to invite some, as you said, to invite some writers who are, you know, trying to get out there and trying to get their stories out and maybe new characters or just sort of a, a diverse set of stories in an anthology. It sounds pretty appealing to me right and I, I just think it has where i i'm afraid it would have to be a bigger one is because american comic book audiences aren't as used to that it might although because manga is so popular like they should be used to it but then manga here is already separated like you don't go buy them all conglomerated here you buy them once they've been separated out and but is that because they just americanized it or is that just i, I don't know i just think it'd be so cool to be able to go I mean, if I was in charge of Marvel or DC, we would have that every month. I know DC has been doing them, not every month, but they've been doing periodically, a couple times a year, a $10, 80, I think it's 80, maybe it's 100 page specials where like one, they just did one that was like Valentine's Day themed, it was romance themed. And I think it did pretty well. They've done a Halloween one, they did a Christmas one. Like, I feel like they do pretty well. And I know talking to a a couple different comic book store owners, like, they like buying those because then if somebody comes in and that's new, they can kind of point them in that direction. And there's a lot like, because if you don't know anything, you know, now all of a sudden you get exposure to a lot of characters. And then for me, like, 
I'm not an idiot. I mean, I love the comic books, but Marvel Comics itself is, you know, basically a storyboard generator for movies and TV shows and other things. Uh, whether or not that they should not focus on that, which is, I think, to the detriment of Marvel Comics, what they do right now is they are like, oh, this might be a good movie. Don't write a good movie. Write a good comic. Let the movie people come in, and they'll they'll get the stories that they uh, like. But um, it's a different uh, different um, medium. Yeah, yeah, like completely. Oh yeah. But yeah. one of the things, uh, I, uh, Mark Silvestri, um, who got really famous being an, an artist for X Men and has went on to do so many awesome things in the comic book world, like he he stressed in a recent uh, thing I listened to with him, like if you want to tell your story to the world, comic books are about the fastest way to do it. Like, you can get your story out there. It has a visual element, which can bring in a lot of people. He's like, you know, and it's different from, you know, if you're a, if you're a I don't want to use the word a nobody because you're not a nobody if you're listening to this uh, or just people, unknown people. Yeah, that's the word I want. Thank you. Lesser known. If you're an unknown, you're not, they're not going to buy your $400 million budget script for some sci-fi movie. But if you can find a good artist or get a, a comic book company to pick it up, like that can get made for relative with as big and flashy as you want it to be for, you know, the the relatively speaking inexpensive price of a comic book. And with Kickstarter and things like that, if you can find an artist on your own that you can work out a deal or you have the money to at least pay them up front, like now all of a sudden you take it right to uh, the audience. You've mentioned DC and Marvel. Uh, so uh, is image, com- is image comics part of so, one of those is so, dark horse. Uh, like have they been kind of images? Uh, images probably the third biggest image was made in the early nineties. So they are, they are independent. Okay. Yeah. Um, they're probably the largest. I think they're, I mean, they're still considered independent, but they've been around long enough at this point. They're still an independent because if your stuff goes to image, you still own it all. Like image just produces it and helps with like the marketing. Um, because I mean, they were founded by seven, I think seven, seven artists at Marvel who basically felt like they weren't getting a fair shake. So they all left. I mean, they were seven of the biggest artists in the world at that time. And they went and formed image and they had varying success. Um, and image has been able to stick around. Like, I mean, invincible was one of their walking dead or, two big ones from Robert Kirkman who are both, those both get printed by image, but he owns every, like, I don't think they get any money from the shows or anything like that. That's all just back to him and the other. Um, and then dark horse, uh, was a separate independent company who survived off of, I mean, they produced mostly Hellboy and star Wars. Um, once Disney got star Wars, they took that back under their own comic umbrella. But, um, they recently just got bought by someone. I, I think Asmodee maybe bought them, which is a conglomerate in the board game world. Um, it's just a hedge fund company, basically. And so I w- I'm, was a little nervous about that. Um, but there are lots of other independents. You know, there's Scout Comics out of Florida, I think. They, they've they been doing some cool stuff. And there's uh, AWA, which maybe just collapsed. I can't remember. But there are a lot of littler. Um, and then Archie, of course. Archie is still hanging around. Uh, um, doing, they pretty much just do Archie at this point. They used to have a much larger portfolio. Uh, but there are, then there are lots of other little companies that, you know, there's a couple, um, oh, then there's Zenoscope, which does 
uh, very cheesecake based. Um, they very they they do very much cheesecake art of females, and it sells very well for them. Um, but often the stores, a lot of the store, not all of the stores, just like any store, some are bad, but they have a lot of stores that are, are really pretty good. And so um, sometimes I'm like, ah, I don't know if I really want to, I don't know. I feel like it turns some people away, but it sells very well for them. And I don't have any, I'm, I have no problem with there being um, art like that. I mean, as long as, again, I, as you know, and uh, most of the people listening know, like if it's not hurting you and it's not hurting somebody else, it really doesn't. I'm 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 down for it. So there, the book is called Previews. When I order comics, I have to order them three months ahead of time. And so the the book you go through is called Previews, and it's a I don't know an 800 page tome that is everything that's going to come out in three months. And so there are lots of little companies in there, and there's lots of companies they only have one or two things. IDW is uh, they are the ones that do Sonic that Liz likes, and they have a couple other things um, that they produce. So. But I think one of those little ones, that'd, that'd be tough for them. I really think it'd have to be Marvel or Image. Image would, would probably be, excuse me, Marvel or DC would be good because they have such huge, like Marvel has, I think, like 7,000 characters right now if they didn't make new ones. So they're not, you know, and you, that, that could be very enticing. Hey, I want you to come in, you know, you're going to bring someone in and they're going to write Avengers for you. And as part of that, you know, you really that writer really loves I don't know Sleepwalker, who's a a character from the early '90s that I like that is not maybe as popular, but all of a sudden like yeah, you, you know, and then of course you can throw in stories for our hundred pager every month, and we got to fill it. So, well, here's the Sleepwalker story, or you know, if all of a sudden you know if if Marvel Studios has a knows they're getting ready to like they're gonna they're doing a Wonder Man who's a, a character that's not very well known. All of a sudden you could start putting Wonder Man in there or like Ant-Man and Ant-Man and Wasp. Ant-Man and Wasp are never going to carry a book by themselves. They're just not popular enough. So, uh when you have the movie coming out though, they could have been putting Ant-Man and Wasp stories inside of there for a year on the leading up to and a little bit after. And then maybe they can catch a little short mini series of their own, but I don't know, I just think that'd be interesting. It definitely would be interesting. I I wonder too. Clearly, the big companies have the money to take the risk. Sure, but I wonder and wait it out. Do they have? Do they have the will though? No. When they have so many short sure thing exactly. That's sort of that's why I wonder. It may not be able to be the size of what you describe, but I wonder if an independent might like a, when I say independent again I may, I may be using incorrect terminology here but I'm talking about small No they're called independent. Um, yeah, same you know I'm thinking a lot like uh, record labels and yes. that's sort of my <laughs> go to uh in in much the same way that some of these small record labels will take chances um out, either out of their own passion or out of necessity. So they have to take a chance uh or they they just enjoy this kind of music or this kind of story, um, so I wonder about that because I, I do think that's a great idea. And I'm a, I'm a person who is big into anthologies as well. I think that can be yeah. a great way to be introduced to new writers. Um, and again, we we spoke about reading quite a bit uh, the last time I was on, and uh, I was definitely a, a young reader who struggled to read. Um, and had to find material that I wanted to read. And 
for me that that sh the short stories and poetry were appealing to me because the content was potent uh the stories had to be concise and were often very language rich but were not an intimidating uh tome <laughs> to me uh now I, I i still struggle to read like i still am a slow reader but i'm not afraid to pick up a 500 page book now but in those days especially when you're a kid and you're dealing with timelines and expectations uh of getting something read yeah those short stories were just like i was all about them so anyway sure yeah well yeah and that's you know you know i i use marvel and dc because they have so many they have so many characters and known characters or characters that already have some like you don't have to necessarily create them from scratch and but you can adapt them and uh they are a lot of them already have fans, so then that helps you. And they can they can weather the storm of uh, let's we're gonna change people's how they think. Uh, you know, if Marvel starts would start putting that out, you know, they can they can take the hits on that while they get people to see like, oh, okay, this is you know, they've done they've tried a similar thing where it's just a regular size comic book though, and it's just you get three like seven page stories in it. And you know that you know, I, I but it's the same, you know, it's like $5, you know, I guess I want them to, they're not taking a loss still. Uh, I guess that, you know, there's some number where if they sell below that, they're taking a loss. But I, even that, I almost think it's worth taking a loss because now all of a sudden you've built up a character and then they make an, they're making an action, they make an action figure of it. And so now that makes more money or, hey, we're pumping up for this movie that's coming out or, hey, the guy that writes X-Men is going to use... So you know, there, there's so in a, your there, opinion, though. there's a character coming up that they're going to to use, or uh, if they want to try out a new character, you know, you put a couple stories in there. If they turn out, you know, you get some buzz about them, you give them their own book, and then of course the final part is, you know, uh, that you could, you know, maybe you want to make new characters. There's a good a good spot to do that, and just it gets people reading your stuff, and you, of course going to have ads in there. Uh, and so then the last part is, of course, is not of course, but the last part is, you know, Magneto. If, if I say the word as a non, you you keep saying you're not a comic book reader, and then you tell us all these comics you read. You're a comic book reader, uh, or just because you read them via graphic novel is irrelevant. You're you're still reading comics. Um, but if I say Magneto to you, who is Magneto? Uh, Magneto. He threw a hell of a flying head scissor. Um, uh, Magneto, I know, is from X-Men. That's correct. And I am only familiar with Magneto through film. That's fine. And so, and so I know him as a villain. Yep. But sort of a nuanced, like there's quite a backstory. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, uh, that's perfect. To Magneto. It most people, I would say I would, the reason I hesitate to to say he's the heel is that I wonder if that's true throughout the comic run, given given some of the some of the little little bit that I know of Magneto. So yeah, so Magneto controls metal. He originated as the primary, one of the primary enemies of the X Men. And to most people, probably still, he is a, a big enemy of the X Men. Even though sometimes they work together because they're all mutants and they're working against humans or whatever the case is. But Magneto has not been a villain for 20 years. 
in comic books. I mean, he's just been a member of the X-Men for roughly 20 years. So, like, and I'm sure at some point, like, they're going through a whole, the X-Men are in this whole storyline right now where they have their own island and they have have a way to resurrect people that have the mutant gene, so none of them can, like, they die, but then they just get resurrected back, so they're essentially all immortal. Um, but that's all seemingly coming to an end over the course of the next year. And so I'm curious as if someone will throw Magneto back as a, a huge villain or not. Because like I said, it's been roughly 20 years. He's been a good guy. But let's say they're going to continue to keep him as a good guy. You know that, you know, and there it's really easy to have a little short story where it's set in the past when he was a villain. And you can um, still tell those, not that they couldn't do that, not that they couldn't do a little miniseries or whatever, but hey, here's a little thing. Remember when... And then the other thing I'd like to see in there you could do in that, um, which is always first, I understand you have a standard comic book has 22 pages, like even though, as we talked about before, like they get padded. So I feel like there's a lot of opportunity. Marvel Comics is the worst about this. They put way too much action in their comics and it frustrates me, like put some more of the 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 drama or the human side into it, not drama like they like to do with Spider-Man where Let's just break him and MJ up because of magic for stupid reasons so that we can show him with whatever random uh, chick we think uh, that the writer wants to see. But like actual like story, human elements uh, to these these heroes. And, you know, in a, a book like that, it, it's real easy to have that like, hey, here's uh, Pete and MJ and they're going on a date and it's just the date or like. I, you know, you could tell a funny story about Captain America's, like, laundry day. Like, you could put some little fun things that they're maybe afraid of putting in the main the main stories anymore. Like, you can put that in there. Or, like, you know, there could be a funny story where a supervillain and a, the superhero both get their dry cleaning done. And so, like, there's very tense. And then you actually have no action at all. Uh, there is action, but no, like, fighting at all. Or then maybe it breaks out into a brawl and then... I, I just think there's a lot of opportunities, storytelling opportunities. Uh, you mentioned the, the drama and action, um, and, but then you, you also made references there to humor. Has, has humor sort of not been as integrated into, into these comics lately? Or uh, hard? I'm struggling to ask this question. Just That seems like a, an element of, that's fun uh, and... Um, Does it seem like it's left there? I mean, it depends on the book, of course, and the writer. You know, some writers just aren't as good at humor. Um, I'm sure if you talk to some people, they the current Spider-Man run is not very popular, seemingly. Um, you know, I say that, and it still does fairly well sales-wise because it's Spider-Man. Spider-Man Spider or Superman, maybe Batman, are, you know, the most well-known superheroes. Like, they're going to do well. I mean, largely, you could print a pretty cover and have 22 blank pages inside, it's probably still going to sell pretty well for a, a while. So some of it is that, but like Spider-Man has not been very funny. Um, I think Superman, hilariously enough, has been pretty funny here recently. Um, so to say there's not humor is is not the case, but you know there's a difference between writing a funny story and having a funny joke. Um, sure, absolutely. And absolutely. so I don't think they write very many funny stories or I, you know, again, and it, it goes book to book. Superman has, Superman just did kind of a soft relaunch 
So they've kind of really kind of tried to refocus and they brought in new writers and, and artists and they're really trying to tell everything from a family point of view. Superman has his son and is married to Lois and then they have two adopted kids and then, you know, he has all these cousins and all these other things. So they're all kind of tied together and it's doing a really nice job of helping humanize a person that is extraordinary, you know, extraordinarily powerful. Even in the world of superheroes, Superman is extraordinarily powerful. And so uh, they put a lot of, they put a lot of spicy moments between him and Lois and they play them for laughs and it, it works really well on me. It makes me crack up. But then, and then, you know, you go over to Moon Knight over at Marvel, which is a very serious book and the writer of it, uh, Jed McKay, often works in a kind of a funny bit uh, here and there. So part of it, I think, goes to who's the editor of the book, too. Do they allow it? You know, what... Um, so there's a lot... Because Jed McKay wrote um, a Mary Jane and Black Cat book that is absolute, just the, just not good. But then you see all the other stuff as he writes, and even when he's written Black Cat and Mary Jane before, and it's so good. And so it's like, okay, well, something clearly happened here that this is so bad when all your other stuff is good so then you start looking well is it the editor is it this you know it's basically the poison coming down from amazing spider-man and so you know he's he's got a family he's got a feed you know sometimes you gotta just take a paycheck so so it's it's been it's interesting i was really excited when that series was coming out because he's a good writer he does very well at um writing mary jane and black cat as much as i dislike her currently and then they just they don't they might as well be different characters right now i mean it doesn't sound like them at all it doesn't sound like him writing them at all it's so it it hasn't been but comedy books are hard to do in a comic format i i think now liz gets uh looney tunes and i find it funny from time to time and there's still funny bits in comics but um i think where they had an opportunity where they know like this book you know if Marvel, they're obviously not going to come out and say this, but if internally they've said, you know, we're going to produce this for three years. We're going to give this three years to get going. And people knew that, like, well, then all of a sudden, if you're getting a, a funny story or you're getting, you know, you know you're going to get a funny story and there's an action story and they're very dramatic and here's a slice of life story about, you know, characters that you, whether you normally get them about those characters or not, you know, Spider-Man became hugely popular because, not because of all his crime fighting and villains. I mean, that's part of it, but a lot of it was because, you know, his relationships with the other non-powered people. Um, you know, it's the stories with Mary Jane or the, you know, watching his friend Harry deal with the loss of his dad and, you know, get addicted to drugs and then have to deal with that. Or, you know, hey, I got a, um, my my aunt is sick or, you know, my friends have been impacted by all these crazy people around the city and blowing stuff up and, or, uh, you know, just trying to keep friends, you know, it was, it was that part that made him, and all those side characters made him very popular. And then here the past year, roughly, you know, the only side character is Norman Osborn, you know, his longtime enemy. And so that's not, I mean, I guess that's an, that's an interesting thing to try. It didn't land home, and they just keep going with it. Uh, I don't know if I'd do that with my flagship uh, flagship title that you had just made pretty popular again, but they didn't. It seems to have not worked, so I'm hoping that brings better days for that. But 
I definitely think it's something. I just think that would, I think that would be neat. And like you said, in in books, even like anthology, you know, give me a bunch of short stories, um, probably around us. You know, you got to have a theme of some sort in the literary world, not so much in the comic world. Although they could, I mean, they could have a theme month to month. But, um, you know that that just I always used to like digging through those. So. Hey, you know what? I told you this was going to be a wrestling episode, and I absolutely lied because the time is up. We, I I looked down, and I saw producer Matt look down at the old clock, and I said, oh. So uh, we're going to have to have you on again. Uh, we get got a little bit. We got just a t- You know, this is kind of like the bunkhouse, uh, bunkhouse brawl. Stampede? Bunkhouse stampede. That's it. Yeah. We're going to tease this for several of your episodes. See, I'm really just making sure you come back on. That's all this is. Uh, I know I promised the listeners, you know, some people left. They left because they thought this was a pro wrestling episode, and I swerved them. They missed all the comic talk. I swerved them, bro. (laughs) I let that, as soon as they turned their back, I... Who is the best superhero promo? And who's the best in-ring worker and who has the best <laughs> ring gear? Well, Rapid fire. No, you, well, the best ring gear is obviously uh, is obviously Nightwing. He's got the body. He's got the skin-tight suit. He's just – that's everything you want in a ring gear for a superhero. Okay. Nightwing, okay. So if Best you, promo. If you want the best promo, that's got to be Spider-Man. He just constantly jaws at all of them. So he's got the, he's got the goods there. Uh, if you're going for a long-winded okay, now, wait a minute. Now, wait a minute. Now, if best promo. If you want a long-winded <laughs> promo, I got to go. Doctor Doom. Then he talks a lot about himself and you know everything he's going to do to people. So that's got to be that could be that great heel promo. Great heel promo. You got your heel and babyface promo. And then who's the best worker? Well, I as much as I, uh, oh no, I'm gonna I'm gonna say Cassandra Kane Batgirl. You see, everyone thought I was going to go Batman there. He's known for all his scheming and his laying out of the match. Now, he's more like the Randy Savage worker. Got to have everything laid out. If you need a, if you need someone that's going to call it in the ring, there's only one answer, and that's Cap. Captain America calls it as he goes, and it's always right. Except when he got replaced by the Nazi-loving Hydra Cap. That was a, maybe a bad choice. Sounds like it. It seemed like... Just seems like I hope he got his win back. I hope he got his win back. Tell I, me he got his win back. I, I just feel like if you're going to take a character who was created by two Jewish men and is supposed to be the embodiment of America, maybe don't make them side with Hydra, who has not been affiliated with the Nazis in 35 years, 40 or 50 years. But that connotation still gets made. I, I just I don't know. And he did. He ended up getting absolutely what? trounced by the real Captain America. But. I'm glad he got his win back, but yeah, what uh, you can leave some things in the dustbin. Well, they of course right? came out firing at. Well, no, this is the real Steve Rogers. Like this isn't a fake, or and then the blowback was so tremendous that they finally were like, "It's as it should be." Right? Like yeah. I, sometimes wow. it's just wow. like, do you not pay attention to what you're doing? Like you don't. I say that as a an angry Spider-Man fan who they can't seem to figure out. Like you don't anyway. Hey, it's been great. The to- most charitable thing you can say is that they don't pay attention to what they're doing. You, that's what you'd hope in a situation like that. Yes, yes. Do you have that, any? That it was a mistake. Do you have any final thoughts for the listeners? I know you have some thoughts for me as soon as we stop recording. <laughs> uh, 
never in my wildest imagination, Zach, did I have have it that you were going to pull this fast one on me. And I will come back. There will be a rematch. There will be a winner. There will be a fight to the finish. That's all. And also, yeah, be kind. Just like I said last time, be nice. Be nice out there. I don't really fight with people. I don't like real violence. <laughs> See, this is why in pro wrestling there has to be a TV time limit because you take away one of the possible endings. I've taken you to a TV time limit twice a, with no pro wrestling. TV time limit. So now the next right? the next time you come on, producer Matt is going to lose Just his the mind. Just the goal, the audacity. I'm not going to put anything on the outline. It's we're going to I'm going to say Mr. Andy is back. Thanks for coming in. I'm going to say producer Matt is here. He's great as always and we're going to start. It's all it's going to be 43 minutes of pro wrestling. That's next time though. If you have any thoughts, I'll be blading. If you can't if you can't wait to send in your questions about the pro wrestling episode, if you want to give your thoughts, uh concerns about this episode or let me know a topic you'd like to see covered. You know I've never said that, I don't think. If you there's a topic you'd like to see covered on the uh, Pursuit Interest podcast, send that to me on Twitter at Nexus Cowboy. Or send your questions into pursuedquestions at gmail.com. I want to thank producer Matt for his hard work today. I want to thank Mr. Andy for coming in and being swerved by me into just getting maybe eight minutes of a 48-minute podcast about wrestling that I was a bill of goods was sold to him that said all wrestling. And it was just basically the interest line at the bottom. So thank you, Andy. Uh, I hope to have you back soon. And to all the listeners, I thank you so very much. Uh, this would, uh, none of us, I know producer Matt uh, and I would not do this without you uh, and your feedback. And, and we really enjoy bringing a little bit of happiness to your day. I know I'm going to speak for Andy here. I know when he came on, that was something he was excited about to give a different voice and make someone smile, uh, which is something him and I have enjoyed doing for the entire time we've been friends. And I want to remind each and every one of you that you're going to run out of years but you might not use up all your miles. So make sure you do use up all your miles. Go out, find something in this world that you don't know about or seems like it could be cool, and maybe it could become your next pursued interest. Thanks for listening. You didn't let me talk about Yamada versus Manami Toyota.